0: This story is set in the nineteen eighties, uh, the early nineteen eighties, when I was in my early twenties. Um, uh, to most of you, that will be kind of history. You know, that's that's ancient history. I feel like I've become a piece of ancient history, almost. Um, um, and it was the. It wasn't really a good time to be coming out, um, because it was the beginning of the AIDS pandemic, epidemic, whatever you call it. Um, and um, every time you switched the TV on, there were pictures of tombstones, kind of going down like dominoes. You know, we were we were warned that um, this would affect um, many people, and it did. Many people died. Many gay people died. Um, it was um, a difficult time to come out. Uh, um, but this, yeah. So, um, I this story is set in London in the winter time, in kind of November, and in those days, the winters were were seriously cold. You know, that sounds like a a cliché. You probably think, no, it couldn't be as cold as last winter, but they were bone-chillingly cold in those days. You all look far too young to remember the (laughs) 1980s. No, there's somebody over there who remembers. Yeah, you were there, yeah. Um, And um, I was staying in a guest house um, in the south of London run by um, this Polish couple... I think they 'd come over from Poland after the war and um started this this bed and breakfast um, and It was the era of um does anybody remember two bar electric fires and you could have you could either have one bar on or both like if it was a special occasion you 'd have <laughs> both of the bars on um, and uh so it was, it was really cold in this guest house, and I can remember being quite miserable, uh, and especially because the old lady was quite grouchy. There'd been some disagreements about how much I was going to pay. Her husband had told me one thing, and she'd then told him that he should have told me a different thing. So um, she was quite angry with her husband and with me. Um... Uh, but the second night I was there, she, she seemed to take a liking to me. And she started telling me about her family. Um, she told me about her two sons who were uh, both married and had children and were doing very well. And then she paused and she said, I had another son, um, my youngest son, who died. Um, and the doctors couldn't find anything wrong with him. She said, he just died. Uh, and she said, I think he died because he couldn't find anybody to love in his life. Um, and there I was, you know, in my early 20s, um, wondering why this lady was telling me this, this, this story, telling me this Painful story, um, and I began to think maybe she was telling it for me, me for a reason. Maybe she could see something in me that um, merited this this story. Um, anyway, uh, the the next night I I went out into central London and I went into a little coffee bar off the Tottenham. On the Tottenham Court Road, just off Leicester Square, I think it was called something like the Golden Egg, and uh, it was an all-night uh, coffee shop. And it was freezing bloody cold outside, and I didn't have anywhere to go, so I thought, "Well, I'll have a coffee in here." Um, and a man came up to my table and asked if he could join me. And this had never happened to me before. Uh, he was a big, he was a big fella, and. Um, he was he was a Geordie, he'd come down from Newcastle. Um, and he started telling me about his life. Uh um he studied, he told me about his job in the steelworks in Newcastle. Um he told me a lot about cold pressed steel and things like that. It's quite exciting things like that. Uh and um I was just kind of I just loved his the way he spoke. I regional accents just make me go weak at the knees. I, I just love them. If anybody talks to me in like, you know, a uh, regional accent, it's just lovely. Um, anyway, he he invited me back to his his flat. Uh and um so I went with him. I I was in my back of my mind all the time was this story about the young the ladies youngest son who died because he couldn't find anybody to love, um, so this was all kind of percolating in my experience and um, I thought you know this is this is this is it this is this is where I find this pathway that I've been searching for. I went back to this man's um, flat uh, Geordie Dave. Um, and we got fish and chips on the way, although, come to think of it, it was only the chips because we couldn't afford the fish. Um, and uh, he said, well, don't worry, you know, uh, I've got something special back at the flat. And we got back to his, his bed sit, uh, which had a sink in one corner and a little baby belling cooker in the other, and a bed, uh, uh, that was just about here, I think, um, and um, he got out this tin of baked beans, and uh, he opened the tin, and he poured it over the chips. Cold, cold baked beans on the chips. Um, I mean, I came from a family where um, we had napkins, you know. Uh, <laughs> It was, a, it, was a, it was a big deal if there were no napkins, you know, people, people got upset. Um, and um, so we, um, had, we ate this, the, the chips and the cold baked beans. And somehow, you know, it just didn't matter. And Geordie Dave was still a lovely, lovely man. And uh, I spent the night with Geordie Dave naked in his bed, without my pyjamas or my toothbrush or anything you know I was just kind of there Um, and it was so not what I had thought my first romantic relationship would be somehow I thought there'd be kind of you know music or uh, candles or something I don't know Uh, but it was a lovely night that we had and Geordie Dave didn't take advantage of me I think he was desperately hoping that I would take advantage of him. <laughs> but I just didn't know what to do. Um, but that didn't seem to matter. Um, he was, we still had a, a lovely night together. Lots of kissing and that kind of thing. Uh, that's just about it, really. So, I'm th- you know, you're probably wondering why I'm telling you this story. Well, you might be. Uh, and uh, I suppose the reason is that, um, that it's, um, uh yeah, why am I telling you this story? It's just, it's about, it's, um, because. I don't know what happens to Geordie Dave, he he told me about what it was like coming out for him, he said it was like being on a rocket being propelled into space, that sense of kind of freedom for him was like being in a rocket propelled into outer space. It never quite felt like that for me. That was his experience. And I know he was going, he told me he was going to lots of nightclubs. There was a nightclub in London at that time called Heaven. I don't know whether it still exists. It used to be under the arches near some station or other. People probably, people are nodding. Yeah, you've heard of it. Um, Anyway, that was the only, that was the the biggest gay club in, in the country that was... And that, that's where everybody went. And I suspect that a lot of unsafe sex happened there. And goodness knows what became of Geordie Dave. But um, yeah, his his story and the, the Polish lady in the guest house, just thought I wanted to share those with you really. And um, perhaps if you have a, a water bottle or a glass um, you could raise your your glasses, a uh, uh, toast to to Geordie Dave, Geordie Dave, a lovely man, yeah. And you you've been a lovely audience. Thank you, thank you for coming close to the stage. That's really nice that I can actually see your faces. Thank you. Mick Jackson.